What's up, NBA fans? We got five weeks until the start of the season, so we're continuing our division previews every week. A new division is previewed for you this week. We got the Southwest Division, a semi-tough one, but not quite the powerhouse that it once was. Now it's just dominated here by the Rockets. You got the up-and-coming Mavs, the Lowy Grizzlies, um, the Pelicans as well, and as of course, you always got the solid Spurs. But let's first start off the podcast with a trivia question related to Team USA because as of this morning, we say our goodbyes to Team USA in the FIBA World Championship as they go down to France. Rudy Gobert, Franklin Latina, Nicholas Batum, Evan Fournier just bringing down the powerhouse that is the USA basketball. So let me, let's me let start off with this trivia question for you, Sean. When was the last time the U.S. team failed to medal either in the FIBA World Cup or the Olympics? Ooh, that's a good one, Alan. When is, man, it's got to be a long time. Like, this, like we've talked about this on every, like, almost every podcast the last few weeks. Like, this team has looked as weak as it ever has been. Yeah. So I can't I can't say I'm surprised that this was the team to do it. But man, the last time I'm gonna have to say, oh, I'll, I'll go with 2000. 2000. Yeah. You're close. You're close. Yeah. So 2000, there it was a FIBA World Cup here. Um, so 2002 was the last time the U.S. team Ooh. failed to medal. So you're close. But oh, the 2002 dang. Athens Olympics, this team fell to a young Mono Ginobili before he made his way <laughs> into the NBA. A younger Luis Scola, I think, was on that team. Oh, but, Luis Scola. <laughs> yeah, but this was a team when Allen Iverson was on there, but there was no Dwayne Wade, no LeBron. Um, I think a young Chris Bosh might have been on that team. I don't remember. But basically, it was kind of like this was roster. Kobe, was Kobe on the team? Kobe nor Shaq were on, was, were yeah, on this I team. I think so. Yeah, it was pretty. it was a pretty weak team being as like the only star power there was Allen Iverson who I think only played a couple games but uh they came down to Argentina so that was the last time the U.S. team failed uh to win a medal and this year obviously they go down to uh France this was a tough one because they were up heading into the fourth quarter um but then failed to failed to score in the five minutes with only five points in the last five minutes of the game, Donovan Mitchell had the scoring high. He was the hot hand, but he had no help from either Kimball Walker or any of the other guys. And Rudy Gobert was just out there playing like a beast with three blocks in the last four minutes. And it didn't help that Kimball Walker missed two free throws when he had when he had an opportunity to sing three of them to get the U.S. within one point in those last three minutes here. But did you get a chance to check anything and to check that game out early this morning, Sean? I mean, definitely not. <laughs> I, got, I mean, I haven't I haven't watched any of these games. But I I woke up and I saw I saw the uh, the score when I got to work today. And I was like, oh wow, like it actually happened. Like yeah. we've been talking about it, and I honestly wasn't that shocked. It, yeah, it was like a was very I. interesting, but I was like, oh, yeah, well, that's what happens when you have Miles Turner as like your best center going up against a beast like Rudy Gobert. Like that, they finally got exposed for their weaknesses, honestly. Like they just didn't have the star power at that position to go right. up against a guy that's defensive player of the year in the NBA. Like, yeah. the, like a lot of these guys, you're talking about Gobert. You're talking about Batum, Fournier. Like, these are NBA players. Even Neil Aquina stepped up, and he played mm-hmm. like an NBA player in this game. And um, I did see a stat that uh, Gobert actually played, like, the first 12 and a half minutes of this game, which is that's a really long stint. Um, right. So you could tell that they were hungry. I just don't think the U.S. is really as into this as a lot of these countries are, which evens out the playing field at the higher level for some of these teams. 
Right. And, I mean, you, you got to give credit to Donovan Mitchell, though. I mean, Donovan Mitchell played a fantastic game, like you already mentioned. Yeah. And they just didn't go to him in the fourth quarter when they needed the scoring the most for whatever reason. Uh, Kemba Walker wanted to play some hero ball, and he just couldn't get it done. Right. Donovan Mitchell, the only player with double-digit scoring. And another, what I found interesting, interesting here is that not only did the centers not show up to play, but the Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr had seen enough of them. <laughs> where you have Brooke Lopez only playing four minutes this game, Miles Yikes. Turner at 10 minutes, and Mason Plumley at one minute. Both of those center minutes dominated by Harrison Barnes, wow. who, was play, who the U.S. was really trying to push the small ball on France. And it worked. For a little bit there when they made a huge run in the third quarter, but to close this game off, Rudy Gobert was just too much, and the and Nicholas Batum, people were just, they were just cracking the U.S. off switches. Evan Fournier made some big shots, <laughs> four for eight from three for 22 hey, man, points. When, when that guy's hot, he is hot. I mean, we, we see it in his NBA games, you know? It's like sometimes he'll get like three points and shoot like two for 13, and then other nights he's like on fire. And exactly. this just happened. To, yeah, it's just one of those classic Evan Fournier games. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Franklin Latina making a huge play there. I said two right in Kimball Walker's face to get the mm. U.S. up by four. I mean, that was essentially maybe like the stab right there to the U.S. Kimball Walker had that opportunity with three free throws, but he missed. He missed two of the three. And then on the other side, you also have Rudy Gobert with three blocks with like three minutes to go. One Crazy. on Donovan Mitchell, one on Harrison Barnes, and another on uh, Kimball Walker there. So it just was not meant to be for the U.S. here. Yeah, I bet it felt especially good for Gobert getting that on his Utah teammate, uh, Donovan Mitchell, that that nice block. He doesn't get to do that very often, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> either way, like, Donovan Mitchell had himself a hell of a game. Rudy Gobert on both sides of the floor. I mean, he's notorious for only being a defensive guy. I mean, Utah, I mean, not so much this year. I remember last year, 2017 season, it seemed like whenever Gobert got space in the post, the ball would not, Utah would refuse to throw that ball into him <laughs> on the offensive side. But, I mean, he showed a different side of himself this this game, and it's huge. I think Utah's poised for a big season after the, after seeing this game. I mean, I was really impressed. Yeah, the, the Utah guys were the stars of the show on both sides of the floor, on the U.S. and France's side. And for Frank Nielakina, I hope that something like this, like maybe this is a big moment for him where he's yeah. able to show he can do it with some, some of the NBA's best players. I mean, Kemba Walker, arguably a top 10 point guard. Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell, one of the best shooting guards out there. And this U.S. team is still has great players on it. Yeah. And Neil Aquina stood toe-to-toe with all of them. And this is right. a guy who was drafted, what, number five mm-hmm. a couple of years ago? And he hasn't done anything yet. So maybe this is something that maybe builds his confidence a little bit going into the season. Like, I can play with these guys. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's only 21 years old, so he might have been one of those guys who just entered the draft just a year too early for himself. 18 years old on draft night. Yeah, I think he definitely needed some a little more confidence, and I've never seen him play the way I saw him play this game. So uh, hopefully a huge step for him because, I mean, people are getting really ready to write him off as just another bus as a guy who's just going to fall off the NBA in in the next couple years. but. I think he's, he showed a lot of flashes of potential here. So I'm definitely a little – I have more po- more positive thinking about him after mm-hmm. watching this game than I did before. Yeah, dude can still ball. So I guess I guess my final question to you on this topic is, like, are you disappointed in the U.S.? Um, I am disappointed in, in what I'm – not from Donovan Mitchell. I think he's a huge highlight, but 
Kemba Walker really didn't show up. He didn't wasn't really he should have been the best player on the floor, honestly. At least the best offensive player on the floor, I think. Um Donovan Mitchell close second there. But he honestly looked like the third best offensive option out there. <laughs> I mean yeah. Rudy Gobert looked like the second best offensive player. Evan Fournier is the third off- oh best gosh. offensive player. <laughs> so to to have that those two guys in front of him, I think that's that's a little tragic in my opinion <laughs> really? oh yeah for a guy and, like and, Kemba yeah. right and I think for the U.S. as well as a whole I think it just sucks that a lot of big men just did not show up and provide help to this roster because that's really the big weakness I mean after Miles Turner I think you get a big drop off from Brooke Lopez and then to Mason Plumley. I mean international ball is so much more physical than the NBA so it would have helped to get a big guy in there maybe Maybe a young guy like Mitchell Robinson from New Julius York. Julius Randall. Julius Randall, yeah. Man, Montrez Harrell would have been exactly. great. Yeah, that, that would have at least helped a little bit on Gobert. But I think my ultimate takeaway from this is that the Celtics, man, no. I don't know I don't know what happened with that, but all the Celtics players outside of Jalen Brown totally regret being any part of this U.S. team. <laughs> Kemba Walker just looked terrible in some in some stretches here Jalen Brown was the only one that looked good Jason Tatum got hurt Marcus Smart got hurt right these four Celtics guys and it's like man that's like almost your entire starting lineup and you're risking it all for the U.S. it's like props for your patriotism but man not a good sign going into the NBA season and almost a little over a month here I know. Can we say safely that the France national team can beat the Boston Celtics? <laughs> <laughs> we we probably could. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. That I didn't even think about that. I was so focused on sort of the disappointing aspect of like big men showing up and Kemba Walker's play here that I forgot that that yeah there was four Celtics, four starting lineup Celtics on this team. I just totally. Totally overlooked that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The rest, of the rest of the guy, the, all the other teams are all training, all all getting in the workouts and conditioning, and they're getting more fatigued. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see where it goes from here. But other ways, other otherwise, these guys are getting got to get ready for training camp now. They got yeah, a no flight, rest. Yeah, a flight early back to the U.S. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. This is the positive for them is they don't have to play any more games. <laughs> right. So moving on here, totally switching gears, but here in California, our home state, California has unanimously passed a law to allow collegiate athletes of the NCAA to profit from their own image, name, and likeness. And the gov- right now, it's sitting at the governor's office, who where he has thirty days to either sign or veto this bill. What a surprise! I've been keeping up with this over the last. A uh, couple weeks, um, definitely being, I was pushed to mo- motivated to keep up with it from the tweets from Draymond Green and LeBron James, um, and I honest, honestly thought the NCAA lobbying group was going to be so strong that there was no way this was going to get voted in, and it was voted unanimous. in unanimous. Yeah, that it's so crazy. It's just I think that just speaks to the corruption of the NCAA and how. <laughs> how the California government's actually taking a stand against it and being like, no, like you are literally treating these students like your property. Right. You know, like you do not own these students. Like they are their individual selves. And mm-hmm. you got, yeah. Like you said, guys like LeBron, Draymond Green, like just 
really backing this bill and LeBron even tweeting out calling it a game changer and it is a game changer because you look at it and it's not like the so in the details of the bill the schools aren't paying the students directly but it is allowing them to receive compensation from outside sources such as video game companies like EA or signing autographs or making your own autobiography or whatever (laughs) being in a local Um, pizza delivery commercial yeah being in a local commercial (laughs) yeah like alan you could you could have made tons of dough on the chico state cross country team (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm sure some local some local restaurant would have loved to have me on their commercial or something like that (laughs) with with that face man definitely (laughs) (laughs) yeah honestly though i'm looking at this and i i mean i feel like there was a big deal made out of it and I'm sure there was a the, I, from what I've heard is a bunch of schools, all the schools were opposed to this bill. Uh, no school was really siding with this or school administrator. Obviously, this was a total bill uh, to benefit the players, the athletes. And honestly, like when you look at the details, really, I don't really see what the big deal is. Sure, it's a it, it's a big step relative, but it almost seems like this should have been a long time coming. How can an athlete not be allowed to make money? Maybe not directly from the school who doesn't have the revenue to pay them. But why can't they collect dollar bills if they want to be in a commercial or they want to, you know, earn revenue off signing autographs? Like it almost seems like a no brainer. It almost does. But since it's been like this for so long, it's so hard to repeal something like this, especially when all 50 states have to vote on it individually. Mm -hmm. And that is where the NCAA is basing their entire argument against it and they've lobbied the governor now that it's on the governor's table they've sent him a letter they're threatening him <laughs> to be like do not let this bill sign because for one of course they want all the profit from the athlete so right. obviously they're going to vote against it and their logical reason for it is that they say it's an unfair recruiting advantage that california teams would have over the rest of the nation because obviously if you want to make money as a professional athlete, you're going to go to California. Exactly. So yeah, like Duke, North Carolina, like these, these powerhouse uh, basketball teams, they're not going to get the same recruits anymore. They're going to be going to like USC, UCLA now, because that's where they can actually make money and like start supporting their families and stuff. And that is a good point. But at this point, now that California has voted unanimous, unanimously to pass this, I have to, when I'm one of the other 49 States, or maybe maybe forty seven. I don't know if Alaska and Hawaii really care, but I have to be looking at this like, should we be doing the same thing? Like they're all voting for this. Like why shouldn't our students also get paid? I don't want to have an unfair advantage. So yeah. one this goes one of two ways: it gets vetoed and it never happens, or two, it's the first domino to fall for every other state to actually in, enact this same type of legislation, and right. that would be crazy that would that would be so wild that would be national news for sure yeah exactly and as we're headed into an election year as well so perfect timing a little bit in that aspect so i first when this was on the table before it got unanimously passed i was looking at this like a game of chicken that's why i thought it wasn't gonna get passed because i was like it's gonna happen two ways like um, either California is going to look at this as passing it and forcing the NCAA to change their rules or the NCAA was going to basically threaten that, you know, if this passes, then California schools can no longer be part of the NCAA and California is just going to be forced to make its own little college athletic. Um, right. Yeah. All their own association of collegiate sports, which I don't think that's going to happen. I'd see, I take it more from your side, Sean, that I think this is going to really force the NCAA to completely change it because the idea that all the states have to ratify legislation on their own, 
I think kind of seems a little ridiculous. I think it's the NCAA that's got to get ahead of this and realize that they they just lost this battle, all thanks to California legislators, and they need to get ahead of the game and just enact, get rid of this rule and just let yeah. athletes do what they do. Yeah, I, I really hope so, man. Like, the NCAA has been so greedy for so <laughs> long. It, it's time for, for them to start playing fair. Right, exactly. And and again, like the NCAA started so many years ago that maybe, you know, 50 years ago, it made sense. But now, dude, college athletics is so big. There is you just and and yeah. it's impossible to police. It's impossible right. to there's, police. There's so much social media like there. You, you could be an influencer in so many different ways on social media as an athlete, mm-hmm. obviously with video game endorsements, local local stuff like they're like the possibilities. And it's like, man, it just sucks. Like. It's even like a like a swimming player, like a, a swimmer can't really coach swimming. You know, <laughs> it's like it's gotten to that point. Yeah. It's ex- like, yeah, just let them make some money, man. Like, yeah. They got th- bills to pay. Exactly. I think the most ridiculous aspect of it was during the tournament when they had the Zion cam. You know, CBS was calling this the Zion cam and it had its own sponsor. And it was like, okay, (laughs) like, was Zion getting anything for this? No, he absolutely is not. Which is right. That was ridiculous, but I'm glad to see this go, and it'll be interesting to see what um, the governor does in the next coming in the next coming weeks here. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, have an update for that for you guys. Yeah, 30 30 days. It's gonna happen before the season starts, so that'll be fun to follow. Yeah. So let's jump into the into the division previews here in the Southwest Division. We got to start off with the Houston Rockets. There's no. This is the the best team in this division by far. And I mean, this at one point was a pretty competitive division and now it's a kind of come down to just one the Houston Rockets and I'll start off with this Sean is I'm calling the Houston Rockets the most overrated team this year (laughs) (laughs) you you don't like yourself some Russell Westbrook do you I like Russell Westbrook but at this point I don't think he's quite worth the hype but I mean let's let's jump in and detail this team so what do they add they add Westbrook who they get rid of is Chris Paul and that's essentially it here for this team <laughs> they had no draft picks this year they basically were forced to just sign everybody that was already on their team using bird rights to to keep themselves as this team was struggling obviously with all the signees they had they didn't have much cap space heading into the summer so they bring back Austin Rivers Ugh. Gerald Green <laughs> Donuel House <laughs> and re-signed Eric Gordon. And this core is set up until the year of 2021 when P.J. Tucker finally comes off their books. <laughs> and they, their big addition is, of course, 31-year-old Westbrook, who's coming off his worst scoring year, I'd say, since maybe his second year in this league. Where last year, he averaged yeah. 22 points, 29% from three, and 42% field goal shooting. I think there were some health issues at times in the season, but either way, what a tough tough road ahead for this team i think i mean i still see them trending up at 55 wins or like i mean trending down i see them trending down yes they won over 60 games last year but this year i don't think they get close to that but i still see them as a potential top four finisher in the conference with only 55 wins though Uh, 55 wins is still very good um i do think that's a fair number too because Westbrook and Harden have played together before, but it's been a very long time. Yeah. And I would argue that James Harden is a much different player than he was back then. He was willing to take that backseat. He was the sixth man coming off the bench for OKC. But now he he's the main man. And right. honestly, I don't know how these two are going to share the spotlight. They're both ball-hungry guards. They basically play the same position. They, they're ISO players, honestly. Right. And, and James Harden is 
as as much of a facilitator as Westbrook is, but it's going to be really interesting to see them play together. Like this could be an amazing thing or it could be terrible. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, when you look at the differences between Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul is so much more of a player that facilitates and brings everybody in and just has a high basketball IQ. Westbrook, on the other hand, is the opposite of Chris Paul. He's so uh, such a passionate player that almost at times it seems like he's it's just too much and he makes too many mistakes on the floor. And James Harden, again, on the other side of that, is also just a very skilled player and likes things in certain ways. So I could see some bumping of heads there with silly turnovers coming from Westbrook sides or miscommunications and not a good chemistry blend between the two. Yeah, I will say I have to give it to Daryl Morey. I didn't know how anyone would be able to get out of the CP3 deal. Yeah. And it's like, I would way rather have Russell Westbrook than CP3, even if Russell Westbrook is declining. He's much younger than CP3. He's much more dynamic a player. He's going to sell more tickets than CP3. Exactly. And it's like, this is this is the all-in play. You know, mm-hmm. I, we thought it was the all-in play with going with Chris Paul and James Harden. This is the actual. I didn't know you could go more all-in than all-in, <laughs> and he he somehow managed to do it. So I got to give him props for that. Yeah. Like I don't know how you're able to swing that, but you did it. And I honestly think there, this was the best thing he could have done with the pieces that he had. So Daryl Morey doesn't get, will not get enough credit for this because they probably won't win a title with this team, given the power level of a lot of these teams in the West this year. But this is what he had to work with, and he made it work. I mean, Westbrook and Harden is going to be so fun to watch. Like, I'm so excited to see how that pairing works together um, on the floor after all of these years, after they've both won an MVP award. Um, neither of them has a title still. <laughs> so there's, you know they're hungry. Yeah. This is, this is going to be interesting as well as, like, the Houston Rockets just seemed like they were on a downtrend alongside with the Warriors. And it was unfortunate that they were never going to win a championship because when they were at their peak, so were the Warriors. And now the Warriors are downtrending and it looked like so, so with the Rockets. And then you pull this trade out of the, out of the, out of the hat. So yeah. the Rockets are back in there, but yes, you're right. I still don't see this team being the team that comes out of the West. Um, I mean, I think the Clippers, the Nuggets and the Lakers are Good. I think Utah oh, also putting, has a, has a the chance. In there too. I'm okay. putting the Nuggets okay. in there. Oh yeah, we haven't gotten to them, but I'm gonna make my points when we get oh, to them. I like it. Yeah, but I mean, if we're talking about an X factor, what's gonna take this team over the edge? Then they have no young pieces. PJ Tucker's 35. No. I think we've seen the best of him. We've seen the best of Eric Gordon. <laughs> PJ Tucker's 35 years old. He's about to be. Yes. Ooh, wow, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Then you got West, you got that chemistry between Westbrook and Harden that I think is going to be the X factor, but the big one I I think as well which has been a trend with this team is can they stay healthy enough for that playoff run? In the years I think past it seems like they're an all-in team for the regular season and they fight hard for home court advantage and when it comes to the playoffs they run out of steam, they run out of luck on the health side. And can they keep that? And can James Harden still be a top five player in this league? And can Russell Westbrook play himself back into the top 10? Yeah, I think that's the bigger one for me is can Russell Westbrook play his way back in the top 10? I don't have any worry about James Harden. He was second in MVP voting last year. He went on that crazy streak of 30 plus points a game to basically lift the entire team on his back into the playoffs, into the number one or were they number one last yeah, year? Yeah, they were number one. No, they weren't. No, no. 
I can't remember what seed they were. It was like Warriors, Nuggets, Rockets, something like that. Um, but they they were able to just ride James Harden for the entire regular season. I have no worries about Harden. Westbrook, yeah, those numbers from last year were just so atrocious. Like we were talking about before, 29% from three, 42% shooting overall. It's just so inefficient, and he yeah. cannot do that for this team. Like they might as well have kept Chris Paul on the roster if he doesn't revert back to the Russell Westbrook of at least two years ago. Yeah, and if he's able to do that, then this team is very scary for sure. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is Eric Gordon still a good enough shooter for them to really facilitate like they should be able to? Like Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, both good three point shooters, but also like we've said before, aging. Mm-hmm. Daniel House, he's the young guy of the group. Is he going to be able to develop his three-point shot to the point where he can just be that spot-up guy for Westbrook or Harden? Right. Like they don't they don't have any like killer three-point shooters and I think that's what they're really missing from this team. Mm-hmm. So that we'll have to see if if that can be alleviated. Right. And then also I mean Clint Capella has not really had the year that it looked like he was on his way to having to and I don't yeah. think that's happening either. I think it's just kind of like he had that one really good year. And what what we got last year is basically what we're going to get moving forward. <laughs> but um, to correct you, Sean, so yes, the Rockets finished fourth last year. Ah, yeah. It okay. was a close I didn't think one. they were number one. Yeah. yeah. It, they were number two for most of the year. But yeah, you're right. I mean, James Harden, he's going to play. I mean, he he carried that team from like the 10th seed, I think, in December. Yeah. Back yeah, up to number one to into the two. Yeah, so, I'm not James Harden's for sure still a top five player. Like mm-hmm. I'm not even worried about that. Yeah, so we'll see where Russell Westbrook finishes. What what kind of Westbrook we get here? But let's move on here to the San Antonio Spurs, Sean, a team that yes. I think is a, <laughs> is a real you, good candidate to fall off the you, playoff ladder. We talked. This, this is just a repeat of last year. We want to replay the podcast from last year. We can do the exact same song and dance. We might as well. I mean, it's almost the exact same roster, <laughs> and I have the exact same thoughts on this team. Yeah. So I don't. So knowing that and knowing how well they performed this year, I don't know how you cannot be on my side with this. <laughs> What's your side? You you still got them in making oh, playoffs? Oh, for sure. They're oh, still yeah, going to make the playoffs. Forty-eight wins. Definitely, dude. They're 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 the same exact team basically so we'll go through a little bit of their additions they really didn't do much so their additions they added trey lyles and damari carroll both like pseudo power forwards Mm -hmm. um they their departure was davis bertans although they probably didn't want to lose him uh, because they're trying to get marcus morris who snubbed them who verbally agreed to a contract with them and then at the last minute decided to hightail it back to the New York Knicks and get a one-year $15 million deal to just be on the worst team in the league. <laughs> so that that sucked for them. So Trey Lyles was the guy they ended up getting after the Marcus Morris snub there. And then they, they had two draft picks in the draft this year um, for that, with that trade for Kawhi Leonard with the Raptors. Um, with their own pick, they drafted Luka Semanic, who's a Croatian player, and Keldon Johnson at 29 with their own pick, with the with the Raptors pick. So two guys that aren't really gonna do much for them. But I think the big addition this year is gonna be Dejounte Murray coming back. He's basically an addition for them. They were really hyped about him going into last season, and then there was that gruesome knee injury that he sustained in preseason. 
and we never got to see what he became. Um, But you still saw this team fight and claw its way to 48 wins last year on the backs of DeRozan and Aldridge just giving you solid, consistent play. Rudy Gay just defying age and just continuing to be a producer. Yeah. And and the emergence of Derek White, honestly. Derek mm-hmm. White as, as a point guard for this team, he was a big piece for them um, without Murray in the lineup, uh, with Lonnie Walker, the fourth out for an extended period of time, who was their draft pick last year. This guy stepped up and... In the playoffs, he was averaging 15-3-3 and for them, which is just, I think, solid for a role player on this team that has two borderline stars. Mm-hmm. And so, really, it's going to come down to DeJounta Murray. Um, is he going to be able to come back the same player that they thought he was going to be last year? And I, that's the real question mark. I really couldn't give you a read on that. I don't know what his health looked like. I don't know where he's at in his conditioning all I can tell you is that they're still excited for him, and this is the same lineup as last year, and I think that makes them just as good. You still got Popovich there, too. I think that's what makes them just as potentially bad because <laughs> they have this same I mean, I like DeJounte Murray, and I think he'll add some value, but, man, everybody's just getting so much better. I mean, let's, if we look at who made the playoffs last year, the two teams that are out, I think, or the first team obviously potentially out is OKC. And then oh, potentially, yeah, they're, uh, they're out. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're out. And I think you, I think it's safe to say you slide the Lakers in there. Yeah. And then the next team, I think it's the Spurs either hang in there or they're going to be that team that's out. Well, why, why is that someone else sliding out? Who's sliding back in? I'm going to say somebody that I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to think is controversial. Uh-oh. I'm going with the Kings. Oh gosh. <laughs> no. Talk about a team that didn't do anything. It's the same exact they didn't do anything, man. I believe in the young players. Oh. I think this team is aged and yes, White and Lonnie Walker played some good basketball. But I think there's only so much you can get from DeMar DeRozan and Lamarcus Aldridge at this point. I think this team is nearing the end. And yes, you have a fact here that Greg Popovich has gone to the playoffs now 22 consecutive years. Yeah, you're going to pick the Kings over Greg Popovich right now, man? You're really going to do that? Yeah, he's not going for that Michael Jordan number. I think this is oh, it. Oh, he is, dude. <laughs> he's, he's not going as for long number as he's coaching, As long as he's coaching, he is going for this. And you cannot tell me the Kings are going to get it over the Spurs. That They both have the same lineups. DeRozan and Aldridge aren't declining. Murray's a young guy. Derek White's a young guy. They're both going to improve this team. And honestly, I think with all the changes in the West, all these new teams, they might take like half the season to gel. You think Westbrook and Harden are going to remember how to play together as well as they did in OKC? You, th- you think that Paul George is going to start the season for the Clippers? Maybe not. I mm. think there's a little more. And then you got D'Angelo Russell, the Warriors. Who knows how that's going to work out? I think it's going to be a little more volatile for a lot of these teams to start the season as they're figuring each other out. And this San Antonio Spurs team already has it figured out. <laughs> and that's going to be enough for them to get as many regular season victories as they got last year. Those are some good points, Sean. And yes, you're right. I mean, you look at this division. These other teams are going to be playing the most in this regular season. And a lot of these teams have dr- drastically fallen off. But still, 
I'm not a believer in this big believer in this team. I think it's going to come down close, but I'm going to say they're trending down. I'm going to give them 45 wins. How many times? <laughs> how many wins. times do they have to make the playoffs for you? To, it's like the Patriots, man. How many times do they have to win before we realize Tom Brady's a robot? <laughs> I'm going to make a note here so I remember that I called this 44 wins. Wow, you, they, oh, you went from 45 to 44 just like that, too. Yes, I dropped that's, one more. That's just humiliating. That's for when, yeah, when... you You're so disrespectful right now. Yes, I'm going 44 wins oh, for this Spurs man. team. We'll see once the season kicks off where they are. But let's move on to the New Orleans, to the smooth, the, the home of the Pelicans, the owners, and where they reside in the Smoothie King Arena. Have you ever seen the <laughs> Smoothie King Arena, Sean? Uh, I mean, I've seen it on TV and I've seen that tickets to it are like $3 a pop yeah, with, with a free hot dog and a t-shirt. Hey, that's a great, that, that's a great night. I would, if I was a basketball fans in New Orleans, I'd be stoked. It's like, that's a, that's a cheap, that's a cheap night right there. Oh yeah. I would totally go. But anyways, the Pelicans, man, they got the smoothie King arena and they somehow have the, one of the biggest draft picks rookies of maybe since LeBron all James all, all time, man, the high is so real probably you could say all time i mean the nba is at its highest in popularity you got the internet so there yeah. there is no point in history where the hype could have possibly been bigger than this <laughs> last year so yeah i could see that zion williams is the most hyped rookie of all time alongside him you got lonzo ball brandon ingram jj reddick Derek favors josh hart jackson hayes <laughs> What is this man's name? Nikola Alexander's Dash Walker. Yeah, you tell me, man. <laughs> Where, was he a first round, second round? I have no idea, but basically you just <laughs> add a bunch of dudes to this roster. A bunch of dudes. Yeah, so who, 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 who I mean, for the first time here, I'm, you got three number or four. Wait, you got no three number two picks and one number one pick all on the same roster. It's kind of crazy here when you also look at Jahil Okafor also being on this oh, team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And so then Jack- Jackson Hayes, a number nine pick. Like, oh, that's right. I think Jackson- Derek Favors was a number four pick. Was he? I think so. Wow. What a team. Yeah. What a team. Uh, yeah, they, they stockpiled <laughs> a lot of assets, that's for sure. Yeah. And who you lose? You lose Anthony Davis, Julius Randle, and Alfred Alfred Payton. I mean, this team this season needs to be said here. They've had a huge overhaul bringing in Jade Griffin. And obviously, I think making the biggest trade in NBA history, trading away Anthony Davis, a proven all-star um, guy who every year is on the list for a potential MVP at 25 years old, hasn't truly hit his prime. I mean, I can't think of another trade than this one that's bigger than this Anthony Davis trade. I mean, like we look at it, Kyrie Irving, he was pretty young. Um, Shaq on the older side. Maybe Kawhi Leonard comes in second, but I think it's the biggest trade since basically Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was traded from the Milwaukee Bucks to the LA Lakers. Right, yeah. It's, it's just funny because it's like, yeah, it's a tra- there's been so many other moves, like free agent moves that, mm-hmm. I mean, the only reason this was a trade is because he complained. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it was definitely. I think this is one of the biggest trades in NBA history. I mean, this guy's fully in his prime right now, and he's ready to go. Right. He's on the team that he wants to be on with one of the best captains of a team you could possibly ask for. Mm-hmm. It all sets up for Anthony Davis to potentially be the best player in the NBA next year. Yeah. But enough about the Lakers. 
Uh, we'll go straight back into the Pelicans. I think they got a very good haul for mm-hmm. this man. Honestly, like if you're going to lose one of the best players in the league, this is how you do it. You, you get a great starting point guard, one of the most bright upcoming wings in Brandon Ingram. Josh Hart is just, he plays with heart, man. That guy, <laughs> that guy plays with dedication hundred percent every night. Right. And, and you, and you got a number, a number, uh, Number four uh, pick. Yeah, number four pick out of it. Yeah, and that, that's big too. Yeah, you also get the rights to swap a 2020, uh, 2023 pick. You get the 2021 pick and the 2024 pick. So, I mean, you guys got – this team has picks for days in case Anthony Davis and LeBron James just combust and don't yeah. really work <laughs> out. But aside from that, I mean, they also get this low-key – biggest surprise signing outside of Kawhi Leonard probably and JJ bringing JJ Redick onto this team I mean I thought for sure he would sign to 70 to the 76ers or a big contract with another team on the verge of contending I mean not that the Pelicans probably don't think that they're going to win games but it's a little surprise to see him sign with this team of what looks like guys that are all at least 10 years younger than him (laughs) (laughs) I know it's almost it's like he wants to be part of something special coming up Right, exactly. Um, which, which it's very interesting. I mean, I, I mean, I'd, I'd want to be Zion's teammate. I want to see where that goes. Mm-hmm. And he gives them three point shooting, which is something they didn't have at all mm-hmm. before. I mean, Ball, Ingram, Hart f- favors Zion. They can't shoot the three. No. So this is their one guy on the rotation that will be able to shoot the three ball. And yeah, I think that's a great addition for this team out of left field. Really, JJ Redick probably had his pick of the litter for which team you wanted to go to because three-point shootings at such a premium these days. I mean, you saw Seth Curry get a four-year deal from the Mavs just because he's a three-point shooter. Right. Um, Danny Green getting his money from the Lakers. So J.J. Redick choosing the Pelicans is a very interesting choice. And I, I, I'm pretty stoked for for this Pelicans team that they're able to land guys like that. Um, right. Yeah, the, the, the re- rebuild was instant. Yeah, exactly. So they're a dark horse team, I think, in the Western Conference. But still, ultimately, I think it's too deep enough for them to actually make a realistic fight for that eight seed. So I have them trending up at 37 wins just because that that year they had last year just ended so bad at 33. So yeah. I thought, so I got I got them picking up a couple more, but not quite hitting the 500 mark and sneaking into that uh, playoff spot. So I have them at 37. Maybe it's not quite as optimistic as some people are, have this team going. But, I mean, I'm still looking at several things with this team, and one of the biggest X factor for me is Ingram and Lonzo Ball's health. I mean, Lonzo Ball has yet to ever play more than 52 games. Brandon Ingram hasn't reached 60 games since 2017, his rookie year, and he looks like he's healthier. But Lonzo Ball's health is, is, is always in question. So it seems we'll see where it goes. And Zion Williams as well, no summer league for him. And it seems like whenever big men rookie players go out and are expected to play big minutes, they always seem to get hurt their first year. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes down and only ends up playing like 60 games or so this year as well. Um, 60 games wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> That'd be better than Julius Randle. Yeah, exactly. No games at all. But ultimately, uh-huh. I think all those games missed is really going to hurt this team because when you look at the roster, they're very heavy with like middle range players, like solid role players, but no star real with no star. I mean, Drew Holiday, probably their best player, but I wouldn't really call right. him a star. Uh, you got guys, and they're also very wing heavy with Ingram, Etwan Moore, Lonzo Ball, Drew Holiday, JJ Redick, and Josh Hart. Uh, yep. So they lack a little bit of size, and Derek Favors as well also has health prob- health questions around him as well. So if he goes down, I mean, you got Jahil Okafor, and outside of that, outside of that, you got nothing else in terms of size. 
And you're forgetting one very important piece, my man. Who am I forgetting? Their, their number nine draft pick, Jackson Hayes. Oh, Jackson Hayes. That's right. Jackson Hayes. And uh, I'm putting Jackson Hayes in their projected starting lineup. Derek Favors is not going to start for this team. You think they, putting- they want to develop Jackson Hayes and Zion as much as possible. This is their future. I, I don't think Derek Favors really plays into that for them. I think mm-hmm. he's just there to be a supplementary piece. This this man is super athletic, very talented for a big man. He's going to be an amazing pairing next to Zion. They're going to make their own twin towers in a way. If, if all goes well, um, they have the talent to do it. It's just a matter of can they translate to the NBA game. Um, but I, I have a lot of faith in this Jackson Hayes. And then as far as Lonzo Ball... I honestly have a lot of confidence in him staying healthy this year. I think his conditioning is going to be better than it ever has been. He doesn't have any L.A. drama to deal mm-hmm. with. Um, he can focus on the game. And he cut ties with the big baller brand. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but Triple B. When, he came, when he came out and talked, started talking trash about big ballers, talking about how he had to replace his his ZO2s every quarter yeah. because they were so bad. That's all they could last. Yeah. So you're trying. You're talking about a shoe. You have to take off every quarter. That was the worst shoe I've ever heard of. <laughs> like that is insane to me. And so now he actually gets to put on some actual basketball shoes and not ruin his ankles. Like this is gonna be a good year for Lonzo Ball. I think this is gonna be the resurgence. We'll see. It's definitely at a crossroads for him. As in, like he's got this year, and then next summer he's gonna be eligible for that for that extension. So. It's it's going to be a big year for him and along and when you talk about extensions Brandon Ingram as well is due for an extension after this year. I mean, the Pelicans can offer him an early one up until October 17th or 31st, I believe. Um so I think Brandon Ingram is going to be playing for some cash here as lo- alongside Lonzo yeah. Ball, so that might be a recipe for a good season coming from those guys, but We'll see what happens. Either way, I got them at thirty a modest thirty seven wins, but you know, they stay healthy. Zion plays more than sixty games and you know, he's worth the hype, then possibly they get over that forty game mark and maybe make that eight seed, but I think that's the cap right there. Yeah, I I'm with you on that. The thirty seven wins I think is a very realistic number i think like you're saying a lot of people are gonna hype this team up as like still a very good team but Mm -hmm. a good team isn't gonna cut it in the western conference this is a 37 win team or less even yeah i mean they might even have some very good games but they're just too young at this point they're not ready yeah like 37 might even be generous wow well yeah i'm gonna (laughs) give them like 34 35 35 i honestly thought you were going to be on the more optimistic mark no, i thought you no not not after seeing zion just be very fragile yeah. and i mean they're just they're just too young they're not ready yet and all these other west teams are they're powered up exactly and ready to go and that's who they have to go up against most of the time yeah and they they got a team like these guys a guy a team that thinks they're they're in and they might very well make that next move, the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, that I, I can't buy into that yet, but the Dallas Mavericks are probably, like the Pelicans, one of the most intriguing teams in this Western Conference. One of those teams that, you know, they didn't get all the hype in the offseason because they didn't really have any moves to make, but they do have a pretty solid team with two Euro stars that could be 
one of the best duos in the league mm. at some point. Maybe not next year, but I mean, the the potential for these guys is enormous. And right. of course, of course, talking about Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis pairing. Um, that it's it's a huge mystery. We're not we don't know how Porzingis is gonna look after being out for so long. I can only imagine he's gonna look very very rusty coming out of the gates. But as these two mature together as teammates, they're both very young. Um, after a few years, I mean, they give Porzingis this long term five year hundred fifty eight million dollar deal to figure it out and get back to that point that he was before. And through like half of that, you have Doncic on his rookie deal still. Mm-hmm. That's that's a good amount of time for these guys to figure it out. And Doncic, a guy who already really seems to have figured it out, way above the learning curve of a normal NBA player. This guy, this guy is just a savant of the game. I yeah. want to say just that fantastic rookie season, averaging twenty one, eight and six on the season, only really outclassed by Trey Young at um, during the last half of the season, but. Still, he was the most consistent rookie. He didn't look like a rookie at all. This look, this looked like a ten-year veteran playing, and this guy's just getting started. He's only gonna get better, I think. He's gonna speed up his game, and they add, actually added a few decent additions. They really didn't get that guy. I think they were looking for that was really gonna turn the dial for them a little more. The, the guys they got are good pieces, but nothing you're really gonna write home about really i mean seth curry delon wright i mean i'd write home about bobin for sure <laughs> like ah that is great i am so excited to see a Kristaps and bobin lineup two seven three just giants <laughs> the euro giants yes man. the euro <laughs> giants i mean we get a little taste of it seeing jokic and bobin on the serbian national team oh yeah but Kristaps Porzingis is even bigger than Bo- than uh jokic mm-hmm. you put him and bobin on the floor together like if Rick Carlisle doesn't do that at least once this year, I'm going to be so mad. He deserves to be fired because you're <laughs> depriving me of one of the coolest things you could possibly do as an NBA team. It's you know, cre- who, you, know when, towers. you know when they'll run that lineup against when? the Denver Nuggets. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> Jokic is going to know what to do. Jokic cannot, cannot, cannot dude, take Bobin, down Bobin. Bobin is, yeah, right. He's so happy that he was on the same team as him. He's like, I don't have to play him in the FIBA tournament. Yeah, it's just the anti-Jokic. <laughs> yes, dude, yes. Bobin, Bobin is here. Um, their departure is really nothing. Dirk, I mean, Dirk Nowitzki, in a spiritual sense, was, was a horrible departure for them. I mean, he is the icon of the Dallas Mavericks for decades. Um, so you lose him, but he goes off into the sunset in a in a blaze of glory, and then and then Trey Burke. So that's that's a whatever thing. And I didn't really notice anyone get drafted by them. I don't know. Did they even have a draft pick? No, wait, no, they gave it to the Hawks. <laughs> yeah, they did. It was part of yeah, the, that's yeah. right. So they didn't have a draft pick this year, but I don't think they're uh, crying too much about that because they they got their guy and he turned out to be very good. Right. So here's to interrupt you. No, please. Bob, oh, never mind. Uh, for some what? reason, I saw the box score for the Serbia game today, and I thought it was uh, Bobin who scored twenty-one points, but oh, it was Bogdanovic. Oh, never mind. Dang it! Oh, so close. Useless interruption. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if any any interruption relating to Bobin is an interruption, I, that's worth having. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, so you have Perzingis, you have Doncic. Um, the other guys in this starting lineup are projected to be DeLon Wright, um, their new addition, and then Tim Hardaway Jr. and Dwight Powell at center. Um, mm-hmm. Although I, I wish Bobby would be the starter, I don't think it's going to happen there. Dwight yeah. Powell is definitely the more consistent player. 
But this is just a team that seems like it's one piece away from making an actual splash in the Western Conference. And this is not going to be the year for them because they're still going to have to figure each other out. Porzingis is going to need a year at least, I think, in a Gordon Hayward type of sense to figure out the NBA game again. Unless unless he truly is the unicorn and he just comes back all raring to go, just picks up right where he left off. I don't think that's going to be the case. I'm going to err on the other side there. But, yeah, these guys, I mean, these supplementary pieces are just going to have to be the X factor because yeah. you know what you're getting in Doncic and Porzingis. You could also argue the X factor is how quickly Porzingis can pick his game back up. But, I mean, these guys, DeLon Wright and Dwight Powell, like these are starters for them now. Yeah. If these guys don't step up. I mean, DeLon Wright, a guy, his decent numbers last year for the Gri- for the Grizzlies and the Hawks at, or the Raptors and the uh, Grizzlies at 12, 5, and 5. Powell was a 10 and 5 guy coming off the bench. They're mm-hmm. not bad players, but if this team's going to go anywhere above 38 wins, which is what I have them projected at this year, then these guys are really going to have to take their game to another level, and I don't think anyone's really predicting that's going to happen at this point. Right, you either have Porzingis coming out of the gates at like 27 or 26 points a game or something. Yeah, <laughs> or something ridiculous, but yeah, they need they need scoring help from a third option and whether, yeah, you're still on Rye Powell or Tim Hardaway Jr., I think maybe it may, might also be one of those candidates. Yeah, I just, I do not believe in Tim Hardaway Jr. <laughs> at all. This yeah, guy, I mean, this guy's so inefficient and just not, he's just an overrated player for sure. Yeah, so. He's like a Harrison Barnes light. That's what he's <laughs> like. Oh, yeah, he's terrible. Yeah, that's a shame. They, the bringing in Harrison Barnes they had the thinking was he was going to be that other scoring option but he never really became that he was always just hovering around 17 points a game 18 points a game but I mean 38 wins I, I I'm gonna go with 40 for these guys Sean I think that's that, generous yeah. I think four I'm gonna be a little generous I'm, just, I'm erring on the side of caution here because we don't know how Porzingis is gonna look coming out the gate yeah that's true that's true, but I'm going to go with 40 wins. I don't think quite they're in the running for the AT, but I think they're going to be right there in that mixed bag with the Timberwolves and um, them and potentially the Kings there as well. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't blame you for that. There's a lot of potential with this team, but yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give them one more year and maybe I'll give them 40 next year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll stick with that, but... Let's move on to the Memphis Grizzlies, a candidate for potentially the worst team in the league, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it because I look at this roster and I actually like this team. I like them. You and do? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be cheering for this oh, team. No. I am a huge John Morant fan. Point God. <laughs> Point God. Right out right out the gate, man. Right, right out, out the gate. Yep, right out the gate. I mean, he stayed in college for a second year, which I think was a great move on his part, whoever consulted him to do that because – Man, he built some hype up because I'm going to say something maybe controversial, but I think John Moran uh, would have probably been the first pick. Not this year. I think he's clearly number two, but he, I think he would have been the first pick last year, the year before that. And I don't think he, he gets drafted over Ben Simmons, but I think he would have been the number one pick this year had it not been for Zion. I mean, obviously see, he was number two, but even last I, year and the year before that. I disagree with you because it's taken this long for people to notice how good he is. Yeah, that's true, I guess. So I, I remember seeing the story where he, like, he was the fourth option on his high school team. Yeah. And it took the other three guys transferring out for people to realize how good John Moran actually was. And I then mean, he only he gets the deal to Murray State. 
It's like, yeah. if the guy's so good, why is Murray State, the school, giving him any offer, you know? Right, and that's and that's his biggest knock is he comes from a weak conference. I mean, if you look at his college numbers, he 25 points, 50% from the field, 36 from three. These are great numbers, I think, but there is an argument, I think you're right, to be made that these are only inflated numbers uh, because of the weaker conference he was in. But I still believe in this guy, man. Seeing him play... I think there's something big there. And, I mean, he scored 28 points, 28 of his team's 62 points to end it. <laughs> so in his last game of his college career against the number four seed, Florida Florida State, um, he had some minor knee surgery this summer, so he wasn't in summer league. But this guy's got the confidence in the world calling himself point god. Yeah, and seriously. His swagger is there. Um, the question is, can he put it together for the NBA? And I'm going to say a definite yes, I am on this guy's uh, bandwagon. But this year, I do think the Memphis Grizzlies, nonetheless, will probably be either the worst or the second worst team in the Western Conference, and this is a Memphis team that has completely overhauled not only their front office, but the <laughs> roster, bringing in John Morant, Brandon Clark, the MVP of the Summer League, oh. <laughs> Jay Crowder, Josh Jackson, giving him a second chance. Oh, no. Bad got, idea. I mean, Grayson <laughs> Allen, the Duke former Duke figure, and, um, I mean, we could call his name Andre Wadal. We could say he's on this team, but that's they're too much. Rep- they're making him report for camp. Yeah, he's got to show up, yeah. man. You're getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting paid a lot, too, like yeah. 17 mil. Yeah, exactly. So you lose you lose Mike Conley, Every Bradley, DeLon Wright, CJ Miles, and fine. somehow they found somebody to take Chandler Parsons' contract. The Hawks. The, the Hawks <laughs> t- taking all those big, meaty contracts. Exactly. We talked about that last week, yeah. It's impressive that they were able to do that. But Brandon Clark, the number 23 pick from Utah, taking home Summer League MVP. And, I mean, it could mean something or it might not mean anything. I mean, Josh Hart was the MVP one year, so right, he's, yeah. he's a solid role player. So maybe that's yeah, what you get from Clark. All right, solid role player uh, floor right now we'll go with. Exactly. But on the <laughs> other side, this is odd in that the this team just did a complete shakeup, bringing in a new president of of basketball operations, a VP of basketball of operations who will also operate as a GM. And that's 30-year-old Zach Clayman, who will also operate as basketball operation alongside being the VP of basketball operations. Uh, This guy, is he's made it. He's living the dream. He's 30 years old, the president, vice president of basketball operations. I don't understand how this happens. It that's seems incredible. Yeah, it almost seems a little irresponsible. And if that's surprising, <laughs> check this out. 34-year-old Taylor Jenkins is just got hired as the head coach of this team. So you got a bunch of dudes who are under 35 making big-time calls for this basketball team, which I guess kind of makes sense when yeah. you look at the roster. It's pretty young, but still, it seems like... Andre Iguodala is older than this man. <laughs> that's true. That's true. So I hope this Memphis Grizzlies team isn't going to be run like a college team or like a varsity (laughs) basketball team because this is a young roster that I'd say has a low risk but high reward, especially with some of the moves that they made in bringing in Tyus Jones, making that trade for Josh Jackson, Grayson Allen. I don't think these are guys who who are going to disturb too much. And they're not risky moves. I mean, they're still on rookie deals, but if they turn out – and this is the second chance that they needed. They could provide high reward for a small market team like this Memphis Grizzlies. And alongside, you got some solid vets with Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill, and Kyle Anderson. So when you look at the starting lineup, it's definitely something that's that's screaming out 22-21 wins. John Moran, yeah. 
Dylan Brooks, either Andre Godal or Kyle Anderson, Jaron Jackson, and uh, Jonas Valanciunas. Woo! <laughs> I like me some Valanciunas. He's a good player, man, but he's he he might be the only scoring option for these guys or like consistent scoring option. So all in all, I have this team trending slightly down. I mean, they only got 22 wins last year, but <laughs> they were – oh, no, they got 33 wins last year misspoke there but they were in the running there for a while we thought they might get themselves into the playoffs but i don't think we'll be seeing anything like that and i have them trending really far down at 21 22 wins we're talking phoenix suns territory from last (laughs) year full tank mode then huh exactly full tank mode and if there's somehow that they can get themselves to something ridiculous like 37 wins It'll wow. be because Jared Jackson and John Morant just come out the gates, just taking this team over. And Jonas Jonas scores like 20, 17 points a game. And like I said before, it seems like lately any young rookie players don't hit that 80 game mark and they usually end up missing some games. So I could see that happening for, for John Morant again here. Um, and Jared Jackson as well. I'll be playing 58 games last year. So if he can get to 60, would be a huge victory i think for his season but ultimately if he's not there for 80 they are they're gonna basically lose a bunch of games yeah um, i i do agree with you that this i don't think this is going to be the worst team i think this is gonna be the second worst team in the nba i think the hornets <laughs> i really think the hornets are gonna be the worst team in the nba and Man. like it's it's like i at least believe in john morant and jaron jackson there's like no one on the hornets i believe in <laughs> You you can have your Dwayne Bacon. Dwayne Bacon, That's man. <laughs> you can have your Dwayne Bacon. He's coming gonna for be, you. He's he's gonna be a role player on the worst team in the NBA. Yeah, potentially. I mean, they still got your boy Rozier. You you're not gonna my believe boy it. Rozier. <laughs> you you can't call my boy Rozier just because I think he's gonna score more than Kyle Kuzma. Man, you defended him passionately. I against Kyle Kuzma. I'm literally comparing their best player on their team to Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> That's true. He's when you be put better it that than way. Kyle Kuzma. Come on, <laughs> do not, do not mistake, do not mistake. <laughs> I think Terry Rozier is going to be a slightly above average player in the league, but right. I think uh, as far as this young roster goes, I think Josh Jackson was terrible. That <laughs> yeah. was te- that was a terrible pickup by them. Low risk in that he's not making a lot of money but high risk in that this guy is a problem off the court. You think so? He is a problem. Oh, I guess we, that's we saw, true. No, they, he had that altercation at the concert he went to where he got into a fight with people. Um, I think he beat his girlfriend. <laughs> I, 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 I can't remember. He's, he's done some crazy stuff, and it's all been like very immature things that he's done. And I think that he's just going to be a locker room problem. I think that he's going to get into more trouble moving forward. I, I don't see this team having enough veteran presence for him to mature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's just going to, he's in Memphis. He's probably not happy about it. Um, he's probably just going to take it out on the bars in Memphis. <laughs> the nightlife in Memphis is uh, heavy and um, tempting for NBA players, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't, I think Josh Jackson's going to find his way out of the league um, just from his conduct so far and he's yeah. not even playing well so yeah and it's possible but i mean if you're memphis i see why why not take a swing at a guy like this former number four pick i mean yeah, i guess and see see what happens i mean you're only pairing like- <laughs> him with 
point guard. That's all you got to rely uh, on is the point guard. And, they do, they do and like future players. Def- and future <laughs> defensive player of the year in Jaron Jackson, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, future yeah defensive player of the year. <laughs> they, they, I mean, the only reason they got this, guys, I think they just like guys with J in their name. <laughs> That's true, too. They can, they can run a whole lineup with Jaw. Josh Jackson, Jay Crowder, Jaron Jackson, Jonas Valanciunas. <laughs> like that's this is gonna that's like the storyline to follow with this. It's like they're ever gonna roll out the five J's. Really? I <laughs> you don't think the storyline to follow here is gonna be John Morant versus Zion? No. Well, it's not gonna be close. You don't think I don't so? I don't think that a player on this caliber of team can win rookie of the year. <laughs> With twenty one wins, yeah, with twenty one wins, I just don't, I don't think it's possible. That's true. Now you yeah. bring it up that way, I'm not sure I would give the vote to him either. I yeah. mean, unless he came out ridiculous, like twenty five points or something it's like, like that. It, yeah, it's like at least Dallas won like what thirty five games last year. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah, that's enough for Luca to be called the Rookie of the Year, but not not with this team. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, either way, I think I'm going to check out some NBA League games for sure uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies just to see some sightings of John Moran, see what he's got, because yeah, I'm, I'm definitely hyped. I'm hyped on this guy. Yeah, I'm hyped for that 5Js roster. Let's, let's see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so final thoughts. This is a funny one. I saw this, too. I'm glad you made you made note of this here, yeah. Sean. <laughs> LeBron James denied Taco Tuesday trademark under the grounds that it is too, co- too of a commonplace of a phrase. Uh, to tr- to to legally trademark and come on, man, that's so true. <laughs> what was he thinking? It's of like, course, it's like yeah, it's so silly because it's not like he invented Taco Tuesday. No, he didn't. <laughs> he just he just made it slightly more popular than it was before. It, yeah. It's like Taco Tuesday has existed for as long as I can remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean if. Come on, I'm sure like Taco Bell has thrown millions of dollars at trying to trademark yeah. this thing. Do or, you know what a headache it would be for every company in the world that has a Taco Tuesday to have to give LeBron James a royalty <laughs> for using that as their as their phrase? That would be so annoying and like it wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> exactly. He would make more money off he could probably make more money in his lifetime. I guess I gotta trademarking- give him credit. <laughs> for trying right yeah yeah i mean that's just crazy to me i mean he spent the money to legally try to put this through there's no way he was gonna get this come on man yeah yeah he's a businessman i guess yeah exactly but all right thanks for checking us out week in and week out but next week we got the central division the bulls the Cavs, piston pacers and the milwaukee bucks another very um polarizing yeah, our top polar- heavy, that's a good word for it. <laughs> top heavy division polarizing and then there's a huge gap here between yeah, some teams. There's, there's gonna be some really lame teams to talk about next week, but <laughs> we, we got the Bucks in there, so I mean even there don't really have much of a story, but we'll we'll find something to talk about with them for sure. Yeah, exactly. I am a kinda little excited to talk about the Cavs a little bit and the Pacers. They, yeah, I'm, they, yeah, the Pacers, man. The Pacers could be nice. Yeah, they could be. They got some they got some question marks and things that could go their way. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in week in and week out. We're continuing our division previews in the next coming week all the way up until the start of the regular NBA season. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody.